Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello everyone, welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio. This is episode number 312 of the world's most dangerous podcast. I'm your host, Chad Dotson, with me today again, the guru of RedsMinorLeagues.com and my guy from Red Leg Nation, Doug Gray. How are you, Doug? I am great. 312 episodes? That's crazy, isn't Ooh. it? <laughs> that it's, really is crazy. It's a lot. I'd like to know how many podcasts have made it to 312 episodes. It can't be that many. I mean, there are a lot it, of podcasts out there. There are, but God, that's oh, that's a, that's a big number. That really is. It really kind of makes me sad a little bit. I've got nothing I'm, better to do. I, I'm impressed, though. <laughs> well, since we started really uh, focusing on going uh, at least one a week, you know, week to week, it's really uh, the thing's grown. It's been a lot, a lot of fun, and I appreciate you for being willing to join me literally any time I ask. I don't think you've ever turned me down. I appreciate that. I'm not good at turning anybody down. Well, that's good. I'm going to sort of hope that you stick uh, stick with that. Uh, went to a high school basketball game tonight, Doug. What do you think about that? Were one of your children involved? Yes, my son's. Then, then, then I love it. <laughs> my son's team advanced to the state tournament tonight. I'd clap, but it'd be really loud, so just <laughs> imagine me clapping right now. Well, the good news is they won in the regional semifinals, and so they are uh, officially playing in the region championship and have advanced to state. But uh, is, is it good news that my son only scored one point? It's a team sport, Chad, so it's fine. One point. Well, that, I mean, means, that means he made a free throw. I made him walk home. But was that well, wrong? That, that, that probably was wrong, yes. Yeah, because he missed one free throw, too. Well, that's... <laughs> Joking, obviously, my son is just a freshman, so, you know, everything's gravy this year for him on the varsity. So, um, But he's got a really good group, uh, seven seniors, and I've had fun watching them. So. And also, you, you may not know this, uh, I do the, uh, the the broadcast of the games for the team. I did know that. Did you know that? I did know that. I think I saw that on Instagram at some point in the past. Have you tuned in? I have not. I'm sorry. I'm so much better at broadcasting basketball games than I am at uh, whatever it is we do here. Well, I mean... <laughs> I could hardly be worse at this. <laughs> well, I'm not going to go that far because I remember how I sounded hosting a podcast, so... Yeah, it's fun. Ah, oh, you're great at it, and uh, you're going to be great today. That's my expectation. Let's talk about these Cincinnati Reds. A few topics we want to get to, and then later in the show we have a really fun episode. Every year, Chris Welsh, Reds broadcaster, former lefty. Chris Welsh, well, still a lefty, I imagine, but former Reds lefty, Chris Welsh joined us uh, every year during spring training. He, he joins us to give us his thoughts on the season. This is a pretty, uh, pretty good interview, so we're going to get to that later in the show. But first, Doug and I want to talk about the latest news. And uh, this past week, Fangraphs. You've heard of Fangraphs, Doug? I have. I, I, I check it out every morning. Great Make side. sure I didn't miss anything. Yeah, they uh, released their projections for the 2020 season yesterday, and a lot of the projections we've seen so far have made me really happy, but the Fangraphs pick the reds for second that's not fair i mean it's not fair but i have some good news chad let's hear it they actually still have to go out and play the games oh so the projections don't actually i thought there was some kind of mathematical formula where the actual wins and losses are you know the figure it's, it's math with the projections to figure out who the actual winner is it's like the rpi that they used to use in college basketball I think they should go back to the RPI. Everybody can email me if they want to about that take. That is a hot take that I disagree with completely. (laughs) I disagree with it too, but I know how people (laughs) feel. Um, The Reds projected to finish 82 and 80, which, you know, that's really, uh, there's this range here that I feel like the Reds are kind of at, like 82 to, you know, maybe on a day that I'm really optimistic, 87, 88 wins. Um, 
to me, that's sort of where the Reds are. That's kind of where the projections have been as well. But the, the reason why I'm not really not uh, upset about this projection, well, there's two reasons. Number one, it's a projection. Why would you actually get physically upset about it? And number two, the Reds have there's like four teams really fighting at the top, and, and nobody's that far ahead of the Reds. I think the Cubs were projected to win three more games. So it's going to be. It, it's shaping up to be a really fun pennant race in the National League Central. Again, they've not played a game yet, but still, it looks like it could be a really fun one, right? Yeah, and you know, when people, when we talk about these projections, I think that one thing we all need to note is that they always tend to undercut True. the teams. I mean, because it is a projection. It's not a best-case scenario, which some teams wind up having. Uh, you know, I mean, I, if you had to go out and bet on the Dodgers and how many games they were going to win this year— It'd probably be over 100. I don't think they've got a 100-win projection at Fangraphs. I think they're at 99. I was just and pulling I, that up. Yeah, they are a uh, 97 projection. 97. Yeah, yeah and, I mean, and they're going to win 197, I think. Um, I No, uh, maybe not. Did, did they change the rules on how many games they play? I don't know, man, but they're going to be good. If anybody they, can do it, it's They them. are going to be pretty good. Uh, yeah, but I mean, you know, it, it, it is what, you know, you said it, it's a close race. And I, I feel like that with all of these projections we've seen, the Reds have either, either been first or second in the projections. Yeah. But even at first or second, those top four teams are always within like three or four games of each other. What concerns me is that the Reds were like fourth in these projections last year, but still pretty close to the other teams. And the Reds ended up starting 0 and 160. And then the uh, season was over correct, at that point. Chad, they won the opening day. Oh, you're right. They were 1 and 159. I apologize. What happened to the other game? Oof, I don't know. Look at that other one. I'm saying that's how they started, one and one fifty nine. Oh, oh, okay. And then they won their last two. I'm I'm pretty sure that's what happened. I mean, I've I, tried I, to I forget. Tried, I tried to erase it from my <laughs> yeah, memory. So, yeah. but uh, you're right that, that that most of these projections are, uh, you know, they, they tend to under uh, underrate what teams actually do. Um, but because you can't tell, they do have to go out and play the play the games. The Pirates are projected to go seventy and ninety two, and, and in reality, they're probably going to lose hundred games. They're awful. I hate the Pirates. Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't bet on Pirates winning 70 games this year. <laughs> no, no. But uh, you pointed out in, in your piece you wrote, redlegnation.com, and if you all, all aren't reading redlegnation.com every single day, what are you what are you looking at on the Internet? I, I actually, don't. Don't, don't answer that. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to know. But uh, redlegnation.com is uh, really good. And you noted that in their simulations in Fangrass, it was kind of like what we've seen with the other projections, uh, the top four teams in the division all were projected to win the division, and it like I think you said, it's sixteen at least sixteen percent of the simulations run, and they all made the playoffs. At least twenty five percent of the simulations run. Again, this is all math, and it's just stuff for us geeks to talk about. But the Reds are in the thick of it, and that makes me happy. Me too. I, you know, they, you mentioned earlier. You know, they kind of were looking okay last year in some of these things too. But I, I feel like that a lot of things that could have gone wrong for the Reds last year did go wrong for the Reds last year. Um, this year, there's more wiggle room with that. Right. I think that they're. They're deeper, one, and the upside is higher. I think that's absolutely true on both points. Uh, you know, they're they're not as deep as I wanted. I've said that a few times, and I, I'm afraid that they're going to be hammered by some depth issues um, if they get hurt in the wrong places. But they definitely have more depth than they've had in a long time here in Cincinnati. And the ceiling, I could, I, I mean, I really could see this team going off and winning 95, 97 games. I don't think it's going to happen, but you could see things if falling into place to where they could be, they could just grab hold of this division and, and run away with it. And I'm not we, we, when that. was the last time we could have said that? 2012. I mean, you know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, and that was a that's one of the best Reds teams in my lifetime that year. That people tend to forget because they blew a, a yeah, two-zero uh, lead to the Giants. <clears throat> <clears throat> the, so, you know, uh, I was talking with a, with a guy tonight at the uh, at the high school basketball game, and he's a big Reds fan, and 
He wanted to know what my projection was. And I said, I project the Reds to win 72 games. <laughs> because every year I'm bullish on them. I project them to win how many games, and they do worse. So I'm trying to reverse jinx them this year. Okay, so, so everybody heard it. If the Reds lose or win less than 72 games, it's still Chad's fault. That's right. But we did have a, a good conversation about how, it's, how much fun it is to – actually feel like they got a chance to compete you know they really put some effort in the offseason it's a it's a lot different feeling and i'm trying to i've been a little bit negative nancy uh, trying to uh, temper down my expectations because they always break my heart but going back to the 2012 theme but uh you know i don't know i'm, I'm really starting to i'm finally starting to, people have to shame to me a little bit about my uh negative feelings um and and, and, I, and they're right i'm starting to get really bullish on this theme it's it's they're just a lot of parts of this team that they didn't have before that are going to be really interesting, you know, Cassianos and uh, Mustakas and Akiyama and, you know, this pitching staff. It's just, it's going to be fun. That's all I'm saying, Doug Gray. It's going to be fun. I'll allow it. All right. Oh, wait a minute. You'll allow it. That's my words. I didn't bang a gavel. Does that count? <laughs> I guess. Tap, tap, tap. Oh, good old Purd. <laughs> good old Purd. If you don't know who Purd is, I feel bad for you. <laughs> Go watch Parks and Rec. Now, another big uh, story this week. I guess a big story. Not really a big story. But for us who are really care, care about Eugenio Suarez, um, he uh, is going to be ready, I think, to – he's basically getting better pretty quickly. The next step in his rehab process is going to be throwing and swinging with both arms. And it's supposed to happen uh, this week, I guess, or sometime in the next uh, little bit. I, I read that he actually started throwing today. He did today. Excellent. Outstanding. I, I, didn't, I, I, didn't, I didn't see the swinging part. That may have happened, and I just missed it. Um, but I, I did see that he started throwing today. Is Eugenio Suarez one of the Avengers? I hope so. I mean, he really gets he, he gets injured, and then he's back like in no time. I mean, I, I have referenced him to being much like Wolverine with his healing abilities. Oh, so there you go. That's one of the Avengers, right? Uh, I don't think so, no. Oh. That would be a good question for our, our, our friend Philip Razor. Oh, Phil could give us the answer. And, and woo the Reds. He's a big comics Ooh. guy. And my guy, uh, Alex uh, Ham, A.Ham, who got mad at me for not mentioning him uh, recently in a, in a recent podcast. Uh, and I'm sorry about that, Alex. Uh, you know you're my favorite. But um, those comics guys, they could tell us. I'm sure they'll be tweeting at me about my <laughs> ignorance of. You, you will find out tomorrow, won't yeah, you? Yeah. I actually know that Wolverine is, is not really an Avenger. He's like uh, he's in the Justice League, or those Super Friends. Suarez is uh, a, a comic book superhero. That's what I'm saying, basically. And yep. did you, did you see? I know you did, but I hope the rest of you saw it. If you haven't, go find the interview that uh, Suarez did with uh, Jim Day. <laughs> and is he the most lovable guy on earth? I'm telling you, yeah. I would give a finger for Eugenio uh, Suarez. Which one? I let him pick. I don't care. Oh, oh okay. That's how much I love Eugenio Suarez. Wasn't that a good video? It was, and he he is fantastic. I feel like we all need more Eugenio Suarez in our lives, and, that, and I mean that off the baseball field. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, he's just one of the most. Uh, I, I, you just want to like him more than most players in the in Reds history, and he just he's a he's a lovable lovable guy, and I just love how he, he has this little shtick of uh, it's a good day, Jim Day. Yes, <laughs> and he says Jim Day. Over and over and over, and um, and speaks pretty good English for a guy that you know didn't speak it growing up, and is is happy to do English uh, interviews, and just always a smile on his face. And he has become one of my favorite Reds of all time, Jim Day. It's it's not a bad pick. <laughs> it's not. Jesse Winker got hit by a pitch, Doug. Yeah, that that wasn't good. Um, has he played since then? I, I haven't. 
He has not. I didn't think uh, so. Yeah, I didn't see if he played but today. But he, he he did get X-rays and everything came back fine. Um, I guess there was just kind of a, a little bit of a nod or swelling or something. So they're going to give him a few days, but uh, they, they aren't expecting him to miss much time. So that that is good. If we're gonna if we're gonna look for the good news, is he may only miss a few days, which and he wouldn't have played it every day anyways because it's spring training and that's just how it works. Yeah, but you know, uh, he's a guy that I really wanted to have a big spring just because it would sort of cement him as as part of the conversation. I don't think the Reds are going to base their decisions on what happens in the spring, but he's a guy I wanted to see really come in with all these outfielders. I wanted him to come in and show that he's the guy that we know he is, a guy that hammers right-handed pitching. Yeah, I, I, I would like to think that they wouldn't base things on spring training because I feel like everybody that is out there vying for a quote-unquote job, there's plenty of information out there on who they are already. Yeah, we know who Jesse Winker is, and I'm not I'm not sure that every Reds fan does. I don't think they do either, but I think the Reds know. Yeah, I agree. Um, I didn't mention this to you before uh, the podcast. That's something we might talk about, but... Uh, uh-oh. I know, right? If anybody's going to know about it, it's going to be you. Uh, what about Brandon Finnegan? I mean, Brandon Finnegan's got this live arm. He's been a good pitcher in the past, and then he completely... I don't know what happened to him, but he looked okay uh, in his uh, return to the mound, didn't he? He did, and here's here's what's exciting to me, Chad. You know, last year he wasn't injured, but he didn't pitch until the like I think it was the last two days of July. He finally joined a team. And he joined the Double A team for the Reds, uh, and he pitched for the next you know, five weeks, and then the season was over. Uh, basically, the Reds tried to rebuild his mechanics, get his arm strength back, because when he last pitched, he was throwing you know eighty eight to ninety miles an hour. Uh, not many guys can get away with that, even lefties, uh, not in today's game. And we, well, we saw what happened when Finnegan was doing that. Uh, he pitched the other day, and he was throwing 94 miles an hour. Wow. If Brandon Finnegan can throw 94 miles per hour, I feel a little bit better about what Brandon, Phil- uh, Brandon Finnegan can do. What about Brandon Phillips? Brandon Phillips, you know, if he can throw 94 miles per hour, I'll give him a shot. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, you know, I know everybody hates Brandon Finnegan. Uh, you know, I whatever, I get it. He was not good. Hate Brandon Finnegan. No, we don't. But I know a oh. lot of people really dislike Brandon Finnegan because people tend to get physically ill and angry over the way Major League Baseball players perform, as if Brandon Finnegan were not trying to his best to do as well as he could. Right. He he's not out there failing to succeed <laughs> just to spite you. Right. I if, can promise. If the Reds put me on the mound, there'd be a lot of people mad at me <laughs> when they should be mad at the Reds. You know. Cor- correct. So, but anyway, but you know what? Though I, I hope they do put you on the mound just because I think it'd be cool to be like. I knew that guy back when. <laughs> yeah, back before I got my head bashed in by a line drive back <laughs> up the middle. Yeah. I think you're. I think you're. Se- you're selling yourself a little bit too high there. I'm pretty sure they hit one over your head <laughs> quite a, a bit. Hit one to uh, Covington. Um, yeah. So Brandon Finnegan, you know, it's nothing. It's just a little thing to talk about. But he's had that, you know, great arm. He's had success in the big leagues in the past. He's a lefty. So I don't know. I'm just kind of hoping. Hope's not a strategy for uh, for the Reds, but for me, I can hope. Well, I mean, if nothing else, it's not like they're relying on him either. If he if he turns things around and he can get back to who he was, that's great. But right now, I mean, he's not even in big league camp. Yeah. He's in minor league camp, and he was just up as a hey, thanks for showing up early to camp kind of thing. Yeah, and he's a guy that's you know the Reds are going to be able to st- uh, store in Triple A, you would think. And uh, if he can get things right, he can really help the uh, the team. It's kind of a kind of a win. It'd be nice to get something out of uh, that Johnny Cueto trade. Although I'm still fingers crossed on Cody Reed. 
Um, before we get to the couple things that I really want to talk most about this podcast, uh, and then we'll get to the interview with our guy, the crafty left-hander, Chris Welsh. Uh, Shogo Akiyama got a hit in his first at bat. That's not bad, huh? No, I mean, if you're, if you're going to go up there and get a hit your first at bat, you've got to feel pretty good moving forward. Um, yeah, I actually talked with a scout the other day um, after his first game, and I mean, he, granted, you know, it's just one game, but, you know, he, he, he liked what he saw, so. Yeah, I'm really rooting hard for that guy. We talked on last week's podcast about whether Akiyama might have a kind of a slow transition to the Major League game, because that's a tough thing coming, you know, from uh, Japan and uh, learning all the pitchers, and, you know, I, I just wondered. And uh, so if he can really come out playing well from the beginning, it's going to really help us, because I, I just, everything about that guy I like. And... uh He's kind of a different type of player than uh, the average, you know, let's elevate and celebrate type guys. And so I'm, I'm going to enjoy watching him. Can we talk about a prospect? We can. Do you know anything about prospects? Uh, I've been known to know a few things. Last year, about midway through the season, someone, and if you were the person that asked this uh, viewer mail question, uh, identify yourself. But uh, I got to ask a question. What do you think about this guy, Jose Garcia? Uh, shortstop and and uh, A ball high A, and I was like, well, you know, I like him. He's he's fine. I'm just not overly enthused by uh, you know what's looking like uh, maybe a little bit of a fluke season at that point. And as it turned out, I was probably completely undeniably 100% wrong. Jose Garcia this week uh, when the Reds lost to the Angels uh, on Tuesday, the Reds only had five hits, but Jose Garcia hit two home runs. And made two pretty nice plays in the field as well. And I jokingly said on Twitter, hey, uh, you know, how about we start Jose Garcia at shortstop uh, for the Reds this year? But, uh, you know, and again, we're talking about spring training, but uh, Jose Garcia, first of all, he finished the year great last year. He had a great uh, season. You've rated him as the number four prospect on the Reds after last season. And I have reevaluated, and he's 21 years old. I'm, I don't know, it's just because I watched one game and saw him play really well, maybe, but. Uh, I don't know. My eyes don't. Who are you going to believe? The stats or your lying eyes? They actually agree in this one. What can you tell us about Jose Garcia and uh, and you know how excited should we be about the Reds actually having a shortstop prospect? Well, I'll say this much: I've been saying all off season that he's the most underrated prospect in minor league baseball. I think you said that on the podcast last time we were here. As a matter of fact, I, I may have because I've been saying it to anybody who will listen to my dumb mouth talk. <laughs> uh, I I just think that he is way better than he's been given credit for. Like you know, Baseball America did not a single one of their writers who are who have input in their top 100 list gave him a top 150 ranking. Uh, that's absolutely mind-boggling to me. Uh, they don't ask me for my opinion on that, but uh, if they did, I'd have had to yell at some people. <laughs> I I don't I I love Jose Garcia, man. The, the 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 only thing that I feel like he really needs to work on and improve is walking more. Uh, he only walked like I think it was five and a half percent of the time last year, which that's 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 a below average rate. Um, but he doesn't have a strikeout problem, as you saw the other day. He's got plenty of power to work with. He does. Uh, he can play a really good defensive shortstop. He's got good range. He's got an outstanding arm. I mean, the, there's a lot to like there, and I mean he he's just gonna turn 22 when the season starts. Uh, no, and, and he and he missed like a year and a half of playing time after he left Cuba. So he, he kind of sat around and missed some development time. So he's kind of a younger guy in terms of like experience for being 22 years old, which he's not even 22 yet. Right, right. And the question I, I like to talk a little bit more about is because that's the biggest question I have. I mean, I look at his uh, hitting stats last year, and 
yeah, fantastic. 131 uh, weighted runs created plus. I mean, he's on base percentage. You're right. His walk rate is not where you necessarily want to be, but he did get on base at a 343 clip last year. But uh, the defense, uh, it really changes your expectations of a guy or what his ceiling might be in the big leagues if he can stick at shortstop, and you seem to think that he is a legit shortstop. Yeah, and, it, and that, that's the thing. is the, the glove and the arm have kind of been ahead of the bat since he signed. But, man, the bat really came around last year. He's a big kid, though. I mean, uh, what is he? Uh, he's 6'2", 6'3"? He's 6'2". Six, he's, six he's up to around 200 pounds now. Uh, when he signed, he was about 175. Uh, but he, he still moves really well. I'm up to about 200 pounds now, too. About. S- same. <laughs> so, Yeah, I don't know. Now, the, the next question is, I joked about him being with the Reds this year. Uh, probably going to start in double-A, I would guess, Chattanooga. But uh, what's the what's the timeline? What's the ETA? I mean, realistically, one I feel like the, if you're a if you're a premium kind of prospect, once you get to double A, the timeline is whenever you're ready. Um, obviously, that's going to depend on who's blocking you or if you're being blocked at the major league level or not. Um, I, it wouldn't surprise me if in the second half, uh, if he has a if he has a big year that you know maybe he could get the call up depending on how Freddie Galvis is playing, or if an injury were to happen, it you know second base or shortstop, and he were playing well, that he could be the guy. I think more realistically sometime next year. Uh, one, because I figure with a good year, he's going to spend some time in AAA at some point this year. Uh, but also, the Reds don't have a shortstop on their team next year. so uh, That's exactly where I was going. You uh, you read my mind with uh, Freddie. The Reds did try to upgrade at shortstop this winter. But do you, is it possible? I've started to think, well, maybe they think, well, okay, Galvis is a decent stopgap, and he is. He'll be a decent stopgap for one year, and then maybe Garcia will be ready. They're, again, I don't, I don't want to say they're hoping that he would be better because you all know what I say about that. But, um, I, you know, I don't know. He, he'll be 22 this year, so next year 23, and if he has another good season this year, I don't know why he wouldn't be in the mix to be the Reds' shortstop the following year and kind of let him grow with, uh, with the team after that. I could dig that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think internally that's that, that's the option that makes sense. Uh, I don't think that you've got another legitimate shortstop prospect that'll be ready for a couple of more years behind that. So it's not. I, I just don't. I don't think there's competition, so to speak, internally. Uh, now that's not to say that the Reds wouldn't do something, you know, trade-wise if the right if the right opportunity comes up, or free agent-wise if the right opportunity comes up. But if you're if you're looking at who's in the organization now, I, I really do think it's kind of a, a Jose Garcia or bust situation unless something completely unforeseen happens with someone else. Yeah, so Jose Garcia is something to watch the rest of the, the rest of the spring, and and really I'm going to be excited to see because again I presume he'll start at Double A. I'm really excited to see how he starts the year um, at Double uh, A Chattanooga, and uh, you know see if he kind of pushes the conversation forward on him. You know we've seen some t- sometimes guys don't do that. Jonathan India is a guy that really didn't. Didn't force his way into the conversation like I had hoped. Uh, I'd like to see Jose Garcia do that. Um, what about Jonathan Indy? I watched him play the other day. I don't know. I just I don't know about this guy now. You know, I I, I like most of the aspects of his game. I, I really do wonder how much he's going to hit. Yeah. I just I didn't see that coming. He went to Florida and, and pounded the ball, right? That's a big in time his, program and a big in, time in, league. In his junior year, he did yes. Uh, I the the more people you talk to, or I guess the more people I talk to, uh, the, the more questions people ask if that wasn't the outlier year, Ugh. and and that he's just the guy that has been there the rest of the time. Um, I mean, you 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 can see all of the pieces, but I I just feel that 
you expect him to do more with them at this point, given what he was in his junior year. Uh, I mean, I, I have, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. He's a guy that gets the strike zone. He's usually only swinging at quality pitches, and he's not really doing damage. That's concerning to me. Yeah. Yeah, he's never – I agree with you, but he's he's never had the type of season yet that I expect him to have. And I watched him the other day, and you can't tell anything from him at bat, but I don't know. I was I expected him to hit a grand slam, and he didn't, even though no, <laughs> nobody was on base. But I don't know. I'm just I'm, – I'm rooting for the guy. I, I hope he has a big breakout year this year. And it, I think it could happen, but I'm not going to bet the ranch on it. Yeah, I mean, you know, if, if we're going to look for reasons why that you still want to believe in him, you know, he hit 270 when he went with the double A last year. The power wasn't quite there. But he hit 270, and he walked almost as often as he struck out. He made big strides in the strikeout-to-walk ratio department when he got to double-A. And he wasn't the only guy that did it when he got to double-A. So you, you kind of look at that hitting coach and go, hey, maybe he's on to something. Maybe he figured something out. Um, so Fingers yeah, crossed. It, yeah, f- fingers crossed. And, uh, I mean, we'll, we'll keep an eye on it. I mean, he, the guy has raw power to tap into. The question is, can he actually get to it in games or not? We'll see. The one of the highlights of the season last year, and maybe a, a pretty a mild surprise—I would say not even a mild surprise—surprise surprise was uh, our guy Sonny Gray, a pitcher who ended up making the All-Star team last year and had a great season, just a fantastic season for the Reds. And um, you know, he he went up, he went onto the operating table late in the season, had bone chips removed from his uh, pitching elbow, which you know, <laughs> it's not good. Uh, it's not the worst it could be, but it's not good. And, and so I've been eager to see how he would look. And he pitched this week, I think, uh, pitched a couple of shutout innings and looked pretty good. And he seemed, in the interview I saw, he seemed pretty excited about it. Uh, did you get to see that? Uh, I'm not sure which game that was, whether it was that was a televised game. I didn't get to see it. Yes, I, I did see it. Uh, I, he he looked like Sonny Gray. Oh, I, and, it, and, it, and we love Sonny Gray. And, and here's the thing. He said he felt good afterwards, too. And that's important because, you know, the second half of last year, he, he didn't really feel good because obviously he had bone chips in his elbow and he could feel them um he looked good he got he had three strikeouts and two innings three ground ball outs and i mean if 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 sunny gray feels good and after what he did in the second half last year when he didn't feel good i don't know about anybody else but i'm excited about the prospects of that yeah absolutely and i, I enjoyed the, and if you can find that interview with him you can see it at redlegnation.com but uh he he seemed really excited and enthusiastic and, and Happy to get back on the on the mound and happy with how he performed, and uh, and he and he he talked a little bit about uh, how how hard he's worked to get to this point. So I'm I don't know. I just this pitching staff, if they can be what we think they can be, it's just going to be a, a magical magical season. Because if all these guys pitch like they can and like they have in the past, man, it's it's just a dominant dominant rotation. So I, anytime we see anything that makes me feel good about the pitching staff, I get happier and happier about the Reds. Yeah, I mean, just look look at the rotation. Who, when are they going to not be going into a game where you're like, they've got a chance? <laughs> well, you and I are both really high, I think, still on Tyler Malley, and he's the sixth guy in this rotation, basically. I, that blows my mind that there could be, you know, five guys the Reds would trust more than Tyler Malley, who I still think is going to be a pretty good major league pitcher. It's just, it's glorious. It's absolutely glorious. I, I'm, I'm not upset with the way the Reds red rotation has played out over the last two years. No, me either. They they got the pitching and and uh, you know Mally being the sixth, uh, a little bit of depth, a little bit of depth now as well. Not, you know, I don't know. And, and that, that's that's important. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Tyler Mally will pitch significant uh, number of innings in the big leagues this year. That's just that's probably going to happen. And, and if not, oh my gosh, that's great. 
Yeah, that's great. <laughs> yeah, we're in we're in Fat City, as Marty used to say. We listened to the the game this week, and Marty wasn't on it. You know, I I actually heard Marty's out there though. Somebody mentioned that he stopped by the press box the other day yeah, during not... one of the broadcasts, and I was like, oh, okay, Marty, I see what's going on. <laughs> Maybe he's going to try to uh, have a uh, a coup against the. Ah, oh, goodness. Uh, Tommy Thrall. You think he's going to try to uh, execute a coup, a military coup, and retake the broadcast booth by uh, hear, by force? Hear, hear me out. What if he has a coup against Tommy Brenneman? Dare to dream. That's all I'll say like about that. that. Yeah. yeah. So, anyway, uh, Sonny Gray, my second favorite Gray. Uh, glad to see him back and, and throwing well. So, another reason to be excited about the Cincinnati Reds. Now, some of you are not going to be excited about this last thing before we get to the Chris Welsh interview. Um, we'll just talk about it very briefly here. Uh, YouTube TV, what happened? They're not uh, showing the, they're, they've cut ties with the, the Fox Sports regional broadcasts and it'll be tough for some Reds fans to watch the Reds on YouTube TV now. Yeah, it, it seems that the, the streaming platforms and Dish Network are basically kind of out of luck when it comes to having Fox Sports Ohio. Uh, Hulu TV apparently still has it, but YouTube TV is out. Uh, Dish Network is out. Sling TV is out. Uh, I mean, they're, they're really cutting into the availability for Cincinnati Reds games for fans in the local area. And the YouTube TV thing isn't just affecting Reds fans. Uh, that's There are 16 teams being affected by that around wow. Major League Baseball right now. So it's th- this is a problem for... Uh, baseball who's trying to figure out how to get young fans into the game and then they make it almost impossible for young fans to watch the game yeah you know i don't uh have youtube tv and i have hulu and um it actually doesn't affect me in that sense because i don't i'm about five miles outside of the reds market almost almost exactly five miles outside of the reds the the line where the market ends is, is that why you bought that house <laughs> it is as a matter of fact <laughs> that and, that was number one on your your list for the realtor to look into first it didn't hurt <laughs> and um so the reds you know I, I, they're out of market for me I, i'm in the orioles and nationals market which is literally more than twice as far for me to drive to either of those teams as it is to cincinnati but I'm just on the other side of the Kentucky border, and uh, so I, I get the games on MLB.tv, and so I, that, I, just, I subscribe to that. And so it just doesn't affect me, but it's going to affect a lot of people. And it seems like to me the Major League Baseball tries harder and harder every year to keep people from watching their favorite team. <laughs> doesn't it seem like that? It, it does, and it's just uh, – it, it's frustrating. It, it really is. I I love baseball so much, which, I mean, I'm, I'm sure most of you listening do too because – uh, why, why else are you listening to me and Chad talk about the Reds? But it, it's just infuriating to me to kind of see how Major League Baseball doesn't really seem to care about their fans. They seem to care about short-term profits. Which yeah, is, I mean, I mean, I, it's one thing if you're not going to be able to make payroll next week and care about short-term profits because otherwise you're out of business. That's not going to happen to Major League Baseball, and yet that seems to be the way that they are operating their business. Yeah, you know, it does seem a lot like they are uh baseball really doesn't look at the uh the, the long timeline with the sport and I just I don't I don't get it. These blackout rules have been a joke forever and they're getting it's getting worse now. People are having more and more trouble watching their favorite team, you know, I, and they're crazy because again, I live across the Kentucky border uh just barely into Virginia and can watch the Reds. 
but you know my kids were playing uh you know sports on the weekends they played in tournaments over in just over the border of tennessee um and uh, kind of close to uh to greenville where the reds have their rookie league team and we'd cross over into tennessee and the reds would be blacked out over there in tennessee it's just it's it's insanity there there's no rhyme or reason to how they pick these blackout areas and uh I think, again, I hate to mention Phil Razor again because we're going to hear about it on Twitter. He's mentioned twice here. But um, yeah, in, in Iowa, I think he said he, uh, where he is, he can, he can't, he's blacked out from every team ex- in the National Central except for the Pirates. It's just yeah. it's, it's insanity. It, yeah, I, but he's also blacked out of two American League teams, just for the record. It's crazy. I yeah. mean, I know when, when radio first became a thing, everybody was worried that everybody was just going to listen on the radio and never go to games again, you know, way back when. And, of course, that didn't happen, obviously. Same with television. But I don't understand baseball trying to make their product less available. Can you explain that to me? No. Well, there you go. That's uh, about all I yeah, can... I, I, I mean, there's nothing I, else to I, say, I, really. I, it's crazy. I, I wish I could, but I, I, I can't figure it out. doesn't make any sense. It makes no sense whatsoever. I just... I don't know. Um, but you know what? I get to watch them because I have MLB.TV. Yeah, just rub it in. I can't watch the Orioles, I, I though. Mean, I mean, I, I, I literally, from February through October, I pay $45 a month for a cable subscription package to watch one channel, <laughs> Fox Sports Ohio. It's I, literally the only channel I watch. Yeah. Uh, everything else I watch is on YouTube, Hulu, Amazon, Netflix, or DAZN, or ESPN+, because I watch UFC fights on that. I'm a weirdo. <laughs> we moved away from uh, DirecTV after like 14 years uh, and went with uh, Hulu, and we're very, very happy with Hulu. No issues at all. It's, uh, the price is right, and we get everything we want. But uh, for baseball, I just I have to get MLB.TV every year. And so I get to watch every game except for the Orioles and Nationals games. And I can pick up the Nationals games on uh, you know on Hulu when uh, when the Reds are when playing the Reds, them. Oh. Yeah, so. There you go. So it works, works out good for you. It's perfect. Hey, listen, you can move into my basement if you want. Uh, I don't think either one of us really want that. <laughs> That's a fact. <laughs> All right, Doug. Uh, any uh, final things you want to talk about the Reds right now? They have started playing, so that's fun to watch and listen to. You know. Yeah, it's it's fun to watch when we can. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm a little frustrated that Fox Sports Ohio has all of eight games this spring, while teams like the Angels are broadcasting literally every game. But you know, it, it is fun to watch the ones that we can. We've I'll gotten we've gotten kind of spoiled though. <laughs> Only eight spring training games. I had never seen a spring training game before just a few years ago. You know, I mean, they weren't televised. Right. I mean, I, I, I get what you're saying, but it's also 2020, and yeah. if I can watch every single AAA Louisville Bats game that literally isn't on television in Louisville, but somehow I can still watch them all on the internet, uh, how can't the Reds in Major League Baseball figure out how to broadcast spring training games and make it work? I agree. I agree. It should, it should, be, uh, should be pretty easy. Um, but again, I'm not sure Major League Baseball cares that we want to watch their product and, that, and we aren't able. You're right. So, all right, we got an interview coming up here. Our, our guy Bill Lack talked to Chris Welsh uh, again this spring. But before we get to that, I want to mention our Patreon, Patreon.com/slash/RedLegRadio, where you too can support this uh, this crazy uh, podcast we've got going on. And I want to, I appreciate everybody that supports. And we had a new subscriber this week that I want to give a personal thank you to here on the uh, on the podcast. And Doug, uh, the custom, as you well know, here is when we get a new su- subscriber at Red Leg Nation Radio, I will thank them on the podcast, and then we'll uh, we'll sort of take their name and try to figure out what position they play on our Red Leg Nation Radio uh, baseball team. And this is a, a, a very unique name, and I appreciate uh, the, our buddy here giving me a, a tutorial on how to how to uh, pronounce it over on our Slack channel that we have. 
Skylar Webker. Skylar Webker, W-U-E-B-K-E-R. Skylar, man, thank you so much for supporting uh, Red Leg Nation Radio at patreon.com slash Radio. Could not be more appreciative. I'm glad to have you uh, as part of the crew here. Now, Doug, Skylar Webker. What, what position is Skylar Webker playing? Skylar sounds like he's really fast. Okay. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with center fielder. You know, okay, I can see that. Actually, that makes a lot of sense, and that's probably a speedy center fielder. Um, you know, maybe some decent on base skills. Not a lot of power. Uh, I can see that. I also see him as being, and maybe a different way to go with this is he's like a 27 year old tech genius who created some social media platform and now has purchased the Reds. He's the owner of the Reds. Ooh, see, I, I like where you're going, but I don't believe that Major League Baseball would approve that sale. Ah, really? Yeah, I just keep having you know flashbacks to Mark Cuban wanting to buy you know, different baseball teams and him not being approved for some reason. I mean, I know why they won't approve him, because <laughs> they don't want somebody with any sort of outsider thinking but <laughs> yeah right know, that's yeah. that's just me baseball's messed up but skylar webker you're not messed up you're uh would can be the owner of my team anytime and, and hear, hear me out owner slash center fielder oh mind blown i wish you could see the gif that i'm thinking of in my head right now mind blown amazing all right so let's get to this interview with uh uh chris welsh really appreciate him joining us he's it's this is like 10 or 12 straight seasons that he's joined us on Red Lake Nation Radio. I have to count it up and figure it out. Uh, he's always generous with his time. So we will listen to Chris Welsh with our guy, Bill Lack. Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio with your host this week, Bill Lack. And again, we're joined by Reds broadcaster and our old friend, Chris Welsh. Chris, thanks for again giving us time to talk a little Reds baseball tonight. Well, Bill, you know, I always enjoy talking to you and uh, everybody else involved with uh, uh, Red Legs, uh, Red Lake Baseball. And, uh, hey, I'm looking forward to chatting to you about this ball club. Maybe there's something good to talk about tonight. Boy, it sure seems like they're going to be this year. But before we get to the Reds, can you give us a a quick take on your thoughts on the Astros cheating scandal? Well, everyone's got opinions on it. And I... Had, I was kind of surprised it was as deep as it has, meaning, you know, that now there are allegations that other teams are doing this, of course, including the Red Sox, and that it was more than just the players and coaches getting together, that it was actually a conspiracy that went all the way up into the front office, included a lot of non-uniform personnel to where they, they you know, had conspired to, to get all this electronic uh, advantage over the opposition something that you can't do on the road you're doing at home i think that's totally wrong uh and i think that uh, rob manfred uh was kind of boxed into a corner he wasn't going to be able to do much to the players because the players union was going to protect those guys uh interestingly enough and uh he wanted to get it over with as quickly as he could so he took those steps and it backfired on him because he didn't really come clean the way he should have and I'm not really sure much more you can do about it. I don't agree with anybody who says, oh, you ought to throw at the Astros. They had to wear one on the, on the ribs, you know, for doing something like that. I don't think that solves anything. Uh, I think that the best thing for baseball, the best uh, potion to, to get over this would be to ban all the electronics in the dugout and the access of those to the players during the game. I, I'm all for analytics and I'm all for 
studying film and doing all the other stuff that you could do now that you couldn't do 10, 20, 30 years ago. But when the game begins, how about human beings versus human beings? And let's just play it like that. And I think if you did that, uh, I think you would uh, go a long way to getting uh, people, baseball fans, back thinking, all right, this is the game that we really want to see right here. Our best players against their best players and uh, not with any kind of gimmickry involved. Well, I'd like to see that myself. And, and I had in my notes, Chris, I was going to ask you about this new three-batter rule, and then I saw that you wrote a really interesting article and put it out today on Baseball Rules Academy about this change. Can you give us some of your thoughts on this, this three-batter rule? Yeah, I think that there's a lot of um, uh, thought out there that this is something that is just basically unnecessary. Uh, the whole three-batter rule means is that when you a, a new pitcher into a ball game, whether he's a starting pitcher at the very beginning of a game or whether he's a substitute pitcher coming in at some point, uh, has to pitch to a minimum of three batters or until the offensive team makes the third out of the inning. So it could be he pitches the one batter, gets that batter out, and then his job is done as long as he doesn't come back out and pitch the next inning. Uh, the, the problem, you know, you know what they say, the devil in the details? That's exactly what's happened here. The whole idea was to speed up the game because I think the commissioner's office thought that there were so many pitching changes at the end of the game. Uh, managers playing matchups, they carry 13 pitchers, and you're going to use them all. And these games begin to get longer and longer. And the most important part of the game, and people are leaving because all you're doing is waiting around for one pitcher to face one batter. And, uh, so they made this rule. Uh, the problem is, is that it may or may not work to speed the game up. Uh, and it certainly is going to change the strategy of the managers uh, and the way they're going to bring in uh, pitchers that can pitch the three batters. But in all likelihood, you're not going to really see a whole lot of changes because a lot of relievers come in where there are one or two outs anyway, and now you got to come in and get one or two batters instead of um, you know just one batter. Uh, but the, the weird thing about it is, is that when it was originally floated, the, the pitchers were, would have to pitch three batters or till the end of the inning or unless he was injured or became ill. And that last two things right there are the ones that may cause baseball some problems because originally if you had to take a pitcher out because he was injured in, that, in his stint, he would go on the injured, injured list. And the injured list would be 15 days missing. So – the baseball teams out there say, well, wait a minute now. What if a pitcher gets a ground ball back to him and he gets a ball off of his shin and he can't finish the game in which he's pitching, but in all likelihood it's going to heal and he's going to be back tomorrow or the next day. We don't want to put that guy on a 15-day injured list. So uh, baseball has changed the way they're going to enforce this. And uh, basically we got to take the manager's word for it that the, injured, that the pitcher is injured and if baseball feels like there's a certain team or manager that is abusing that rule, uh, they're going to go after them and uh, have a discussion with them. So uh, it's going to be a little change towards the end of the game. It certainly is going to be different conversation for pitchers and managers to say, hey, Skip, they used to say, hey, I can give you one batter tonight. Today, in today's game, it'll be, I can give you three batters tonight. So we'll see how it plays out. Uh, it's a major rule change. I think it's going to have a major effect on strategy. Uh, but whether it changes the outcome of ball games all that much, I'm not so sure yet. Well, I agree, and I agree with everything you said. Uh, but let's let's start talking about the Reds. I mean, that's what everybody's on here to hear you talk about. And let, let's start with the off season. The uh, the Reds front office certainly went in a, in a direction not seen here in a long time, maybe ever. 
what do you attribute that change to? Do you think it was more, contr- you know, more control by, by the new front office staff, more trust by Castellini, a combination or something else? I think there's always a combination of things, Bill, but I think the number one prevailing reason is that the Reds front office looked at the pitching staff, the starting pitching that the Reds have right now and where they are in the peak of their careers uh, and said to themselves, you know what? Our pitching is never going to be better than it is right now. So if we're going to go for it, now's the time to go for it. And uh, I think it took a, a, a nice winter of work between Dick Williams and Nick Kroll and all the people in the front office to get the, the confidence of Bob Castellini uh, to be able to back all their moves up with some checkbooks, uh, with some checks. And, and they wrote, he wrote the checks. Uh, they made the moves. But I think it's all predicated on the fact that they've got a really good pitching staff. And, and that leads me to another question. Rank, is, have you ever seen a red staff that, that's this deep and this expected to be this good? On paper, they're really good. And I, what I really like about it is, is that they've got some experience. Uh, they have uh, some guys in here that uh, really want to excel coming up from within the Reds organization. Uh, I, no, I, I haven't seen a pitching staff like this in a long, long time. I think you could maybe go back to – uh, a couple of staffs, maybe in the late 90s, they had some pretty good pitchers on it. But I think from top to bottom, this is probably the best Reds pitching staff I've seen in my years as a broadcaster covering 28 years. Do, do you think this team has a number one, or, or is that that important? I don't think there is such thing as a number one anymore, unless you have Derek uh, Cole or Verlander or you know, one of these guys like that, maybe Steven Strasburg and and Scherzer, you know, but I think those, that can be overrated because look, look at it. Even your best number one pitcher on your team, your chances are he's only going five or six innings until you get to the World Series, and that's when you really need a number one. But I think to get there, you need, a, you need up and down your rotation, uh, solid pitchers, and you have to have a strong relief core uh, because you've got to be able to uh, avoid losing streaks and the way you do that is with depth in your rotation. Give us a bold prediction about the Reds pitching staff in 2020. I really can't. I'm not going to give you a bold prediction about you know <laughs> wins and losses and things like that. I, I you know because it doesn't mean anything. I mean I don't read tea leaves and you don't read tarot cards. So uh, I, I think that what we, I can tell you though is that I'm looking around the rest of the division and I don't see a pitching staff out there any better than the Reds starting rotation. And I think that if Marcelo Iglesias uh, is able to perform the way his arm says he should perform, um, this is going to be a really dandy uh, relief core, too. I like some of the signings that they did uh, to bring some veteran guys in uh, to help this relief core. And I think it's going. they're going to have a lot of depth uh, in the minor leagues with guys that they can call on. And I think more now than ever, that's going to be very important. Go, going back to last year, Chris, give David Bell a grade for, for last year. Well, you know, I give an A for effort, uh, and I think it was a learning experience. You know, no matter how much advice you get, and I'm sure David got more advice than the average manager, uh, given what his dad was there all the time, and his dad, buddy, is a very good baseball man. But I think that <clears throat> David, I, I hope the lesson that he learned is that he's got to be his own man, that he can't be too beholden to the scouting reports people are giving him or the notes that people are giving him or the analytic results or the, you know, the Excel sheets and so on, you know, anybody can do that. Well, we can train a computer. 
to, to make moves like that. But he's good as far as dealing with interpersonal relationships in the clubhouse. Uh, he, the players love him. Uh, he's an honest guy. He looks you right in the eye when he talks to you. Uh, I think he's only going to get better and better. And uh, I, I think that uh, uh, you're gonna, we're going to enjoy this year watching David Bell. Any, anything you expect that will be obvious or anything that will be noticeable that he changes in his second year, you think? Uh, I, I think he's going to give you a feeling that he's a little more confident in his moves than he was last year. There were sometimes some indecision. I thought it took him a while to, first of all, learn his coaching staff. He didn't know a lot of these guys. Uh, and some of those guys have turned over. Their batting coaches have turned over. Yep. Uh, but I think that he was really unsure, you know, how much – he was a bench coach, but I'm wondering, you know, how much uh, Freddie Benavides was like him as a bench coach last year. Um, you know, how much was he getting from some other coaches that he may or may not, you know, filter some of that out this year. I just think he's going to be more confident in the way he evaluates all the information around him, and that you're going to see more of David Bell making decisions rather than, uh, you know, the results of a computer program. You you mentioned the turnover in the hitting hitting coach and, and and the offense was a was a struggle last year, and and there were some guys that were changing you know the Senzel batting you know stroke change in August where he kind of tanked after that and Barnhart changed his swing late and put, and hit better and Vada seemed to tinker with his all the time but he always kind of does that. Do, do you think did they make a fall guy out of the hitting coach? Was it a fair move letting him go? Do you think? I mean, what's your thoughts on that? Well, you know, it's hard for me to get inside there and really find out because, you know, coaches and players, they forge a pretty close relationship. And players, even when the coaches let go, you don't want to throw the guy under the bus. Right. I never did as a player. No matter how much I didn't like that coach, you're always going to say something nice on his way out the door. And I think, you know, players have respect, and they're going to do that. They're, they're, they weren't going to, uh, you know, say anything negative about the coaching that they had last year. Uh but bottom line is, you know, it's up to the players. If they don't like what a coach is telling him, then, then don't do it. You know, if they think they can get a better uh, bit of coaching on YouTube, then go ahead and dial up your computer. Uh, but I think the bottom line is a bottom line. You know, you don't use your coaches as scapegoats, but the coaches should be there to offer support. They should be there to give you good advice. They should be able to read you as a person, your personality, where your work habits what the things resonate with you, what things don't resonate with you. And that's where good coaching comes in. And um, I think the early results so far about Alan Zinter are very good. Joe Mather the same way, uh, that these guys are hard workers, uh, that they have the respect of everybody in the, in the ball club. And I think that's really all you can expect. But, hey, if there was a magic wand out there, um, you know, teams would already have it and they'd be waving it. Uh, there have been guru hitting coaches throughout the ages that some guys followed and some guys couldn't really understand. And uh, But bottom line, it's up to the hitters. And you got to get out there and get it done. And if you get it done, give your pitching coach some praise. If you don't get it done, don't throw them under the bus. Yeah, I haven't seen any teams hiring Harry Potter. No, but, you know, interesting. You know, here's a deal where uh, the Chicago Cubs had Chili Davis last year, the year before last. And, um, you know, that they cut him loose and he was immediately hired by the Mets. Uh, so, it, it, you know, you, you, I guess one man's treasure is another man's junk. I, I don't know. Uh, you know I mean, however that saying goes. Uh, but the, the bottom line is is that you've got to get everybody on the same page. 
you've got to understand personalities are different. And even though they're on the same page, they're not going to have the same approach. Mike Boustakis is not going to have the same approach as uh, Eugenio Suarez. Castellanos is not going to have the same approach as Joey Votto. So you got to do, it's just like being a pitching coach, you've got to do what's best for the individual. And uh, hopefully you're going to be able to resonate with more of them than, than not. Of the, the Reds made five big free agent signings in the offseason in, in Mustakas, Akiyama, Miley, Castellanos, and Stroop. If you had to predict which one you thought would have the biggest effect on, on the team making the playoffs or not making the playoffs this year, which one of those five would you pick? I would say Mustakas. <clears throat> and uh, I think, you know, it's funny you ask me that question because I posed that same question uh, to a number of front office types, advisors, uh, people in and out of the organization, you know, scouts from other teams and so on. And, they, and the, 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 the consensus is Mustakas. And it's not only because what he'll do on the field. It's what he can do in the clubhouse. When you have a team that has lost 90 games or, or close to it, what, four or five years in a row, you've got to change the culture of losing. Because these guys can get used to just going out and playing hard and wanting to win but not winning and they're going home and you know going back and doing it the next day. You've got to find some players that have to win, not just want to win. And I think they have that with Moustakas. Um, he's a good guy. He's, he's giving back to all the players. Uh, you're going to see a great attitude change. Uh, this team needs leadership. You just can't have Joey Votto be your, be your only leader on the ball club. You need some other guys there. Wade Miley's going to have a big effect. I think Castellanos from his hitting is going to have a good effect uh, and so on. So I, I think that all this together, you needed to change over the personnel on your team more. And I always thought the Reds needed to do that throughout all the years. Even going back to the days of, you know, uh, Jay Bruce and Adam Dunn and, and so on, I thought that they needed to move their roster, churn it a lot more than they did. And they never did, and they kept repeating the same mistakes and hoping for different results, and it didn't, it didn't work out for them. They fell in love with their own players. I think finally um, this new regime with the Reds have said, you know what, let's get in some guys here that know what winning is all about, and we're going to let them run the show in the clubhouse, and I hope that works. Do you think, is it fair to say Moustakas is bringing a Scott Rowland-type attitude to the clubhouse? Yeah, I think so. I mean, he's not quite the same as Scotty, but uh, uh, I, I think that uh, that's a great comparison. Okay. Barring any any further injuries, there really seem to only be three areas where, where guys are battling for roster spots in, on this team. If I don't know if you agree with me or not. The outfield looks like it's going to come down to Aquino or Irvin or maybe Shebler. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I, I don't really know. I, I'll tell you before we get too deep in that, and I'll be glad to comment on all that, but yeah, I've never really thought that now. Now it's a 26th man, but the, you know the 24th and 20, the battle for the 24th and 25th man of a ball club is going to make a big difference, right? Uh, you know, so uh, I would suggest that because Aquino has one option left, that if he's not going to play a lot, they're going to send him down to minor leagues and keep him fresh because he still needs to mature as a hitter. I still think that kid can be quite a player. Uh, I really do. I think he's a Tools. I think his confidence is finally there. He just may be a late bloomer. Then he's got to figure it all out a little bit more. Uh, but you know, uh, whether Scott Shubba makes the team, I don't know. Versus uh, you know the Rule Five draft that they picked up. Versus 
you know, someone else, I'm not, I'm not really sure how that's going to play out. I do know that there are some guys that realize that they've got to have good sprints. Uh, I think Phil Irvin is one of those. That, uh, that, that certainly, you know, he and Jesse Winkler, that platoon last year in left field, didn't do all that badly. Uh, but I think that the Reds want an upgrade. And uh, they, they're tired of sending out young kids hoping that they hit get lightning in a bottle. And that's why they know how to make the free agent signings. Yeah, uh, the other place that I, I see this the weak the weakest spot I see this place is it, this team is a backup shortstop. I mean, they really don't have one. I would agree with you, and hopefully that's not going to be a problem. But you know, if as long as Freddie Galvis is healthy, it's not a problem. If Freddie Galvis is injured, it's a big problem. So I think that there, you know, there are going to be some players that are going to be available uh, towards the end of spring training that the Reds will take a really hard look at and maybe even bolster their depth by adding a shortstop uh, that can play some defense there. But uh, uh, you know, I, I people all, all went along. You know, they said, oh, you know, Freddie Galvis this and that. I, I like Freddie Galvis. Uh, I think he's good. he's a good player. I think he's a he's a he's a nice defender. Uh, he's a really great guy in the clubhouse. He works hard. Uh, his teammates love him. And he's got some pop. He's a switch hitter. So there's a lot to like about Galvis. I hope he stays healthy. In the bullpen, w- would you gr- agree that the, the, the favorites for probably the last three spots are, are Cody Reed, Lucas Sims, and probably Nate Jones if he's healthy? Well, I would certainly put Nate Jones in there. But, uh, you know, Sims is a guy that they may need down the road as a starter. Um, you know, just because you've got five healthy guys in spring doesn't mean you're going to have five healthy guys all year long. And you've got to figure out a way to make sure that you have some um, some troops down in the minor league. Maybe Tyler Malley is one of those guys. I think Lucas Sims would certainly fit into that category. Uh, Cody Reed's got, to me, he's got to prove that he can pitch uh, and get big league hitters out. I mean, he unfortunately has been injured. He's had a couple setbacks that have not been his, his problem at all. Uh, He's come a long, long way. I think he's matured a lot. I would love to see him step forward and, and, and pitch to his ability because, you know, he and, he and Amir Garrett, I mean, these guys have bodies like Greek gods. Uh, so you think that they would be just dominating left-handed pitchers. But, you know, what's left for Cody is to actually get out there and do it and over a long season, and I hope he can do that. Yeah, the, the only problem with what you're talking about with Sims is he's had options. Yeah, you're, you're right about that. You know, for that reason, maybe he, he floats in. And, uh, you know, he's got pretty good stuff. Yep. Uh, he's got a really, really good curveball. I think he's probably got the second-best curveball on the team behind uh, Sonny Gray. Um, but it's a matter of, of, you know, using him in the right spot. And, uh, you know, with the new rule we talked about earlier, the three batting minimum rule, Sims is the kind of guy that can get lefties and righties out. You were talking about the outfield earlier, and, and there's a lot of guys that are going to fit into that puzzle. And, and, and it looks, it seems to me like that's going to be one of Bell's biggest challenges this year is, is getting enough plate appearances, enough at-bats, enough playing time for all those guys that are going to be hovering around out there in the outfield. Do you agree with that? I do agree. And I think that he's got, you know, the really challenge, I think, is for him to get them enough playing time so that they can show him what whether they can play or not. I mean, who's a better player out there? You know, you know look, let's, let's try to decide who's a better player. You know, Nick Senzel or Shogo Akiyama. Um, is, is, is Senzel a better player than Winker? Is Shevler a better player than Winker? 
Um, you know, uh, so you can go on and on like that. But, you know, this is the problem in baseball is that these players don't have all that much time to show. So when they get an opportunity, they've got to be able to get out there and do that. And I think just because you play, you pay a lot of money to somebody doesn't mean you're automatically going to have to play him. Although Castellanos is going to play, so there's one out in the spot right there. He doesn't play center field. If, if Nick Senzel is healthy, I think that you know, he, and, he and Akiyama are, are going to be the two center fielders. But you know, do you want to take a guy like Senzel and play him part-time? Do you want to side Akiyama, bring him all the way over here from Japan and only play him part-time? I, I think that they do have a log jam there, and it's going to be interesting the way it plays out. But I think the biggest challenge for Bell is to find out well, who, is the, who are the best players. And um, only playing time can show that. Uh, switching back to the pitching staff for a minute, when they, when they when they signed Castellanos, were, were you surprised that they released Sal Romano? Well, it, no, no. I mean, uh, I didn't. Sal, you know, I think Sal has been Sal's what I would call a, a self-made man. You know, never a high draft pick, big body, hard thrower, straight straight stuff, um, uh, a little bit over maybe over pitches himself you know tries too hard sometimes uh, but he's still a young kid and he's got a lot of learning to do and I think it was a wake-up call for him too I mean I've been in the same situation that he's been where you get taken off the roster and all of a sudden you know you're like whoa I thought I had this thing made right well he's got to be able to look around and see that the roster is completely different than it was two years ago when he was in the starting rotation you know he had his audition uh, unfortunately, he was probably a little bit too young at the time. So, uh, fortunately for the Reds, they kept him in the organization. He may be able to to contribute somewhere down the line, probably out of the bullpen. But uh, I think that's for for them to release Romano, who was one of your starting pitchers in the early twenty. I mean, he in his early twenties, just a couple of years ago, shows you how much better this pitching staff has gotten. I mean, not only is he not in the rotation, he's not even on the on the 40-man roster anymore. So that's how much everybody's gotten better. Were you surprised that he passed through waivers? Uh, no, not at that time of year. I think people are trying to, you know, whittle around. Uh, you know, I, I think that he, he has to prove himself to the baseball world that he can get out there and, and, and get big league hitters out consistently. And uh, I'm not sure how he's going to do that uh, other than hitting his spots a little bit better. But I think he can do that. He's a good kid. He works hard. I think he's got a good arm. Uh, he's just a little bit straight with the fastball. And, and maybe uh, maybe some of the guys that they brought in here can help him, help him get some movement. What do you think the chances are Suarez is ready for opening day? Hard to tell. Uh, I think he probably will be. Um, Will he be 100%? I don't know. Uh, will he be 100% all year long? I'm not sure. You know, it, it's a, the shoulder is a very finicky little area because, you know, it feels good one day and it hurts the next day. Uh, anybody with shoulder problems can tell you that, and I can attest to that. So it's, it's uh, I think everybody's kind of keeping their, their fingers crossed. Uh, they're not going to rush him. They want to make sure they get it as strong as they possibly can. And hoping that, that the surgery that they did, which was a minor surgery, was enough to keep him healthy all year long. If you were a betting man, Chris, and you were hang, you were out in Vegas, and you had to put and you were going to put money down on the NL Central, who would you bet on right now? 
Well, I probably would go by way of the Cubs. Um, they have an outstanding bullpen. I still think they've got a nice rotation. They've got the money to go out and do some things, even though they didn't do anything over the winter. Uh, they've got a nice team. Obviously, uh, you know they, they've got a good ball club. They, they just have a good club. Uh, and they've been there. Uh, I think it's a leap to make the Reds your favorite. I mean, they're my favorite team, but they can't be the favorite in the division yet because it's, it's such a big jump for them. But I think that the, they have the capability of being right there. They really do. And I'm not just saying it's because they're going to be competitive or anything else. I think they have a chance to, to bloody some noses in the division. And if, they, if their pitching stays healthy, this is a ball club that can, that can go into the postseason. No question about it. One more thing before we, a couple more things before we wrap up. Last time you and I talked, we were talking about Marty as, as, as his last season wound down. And you, and you told about him holding court before the games in the dining room and, and it, that it would be a big loss for all the media people. How strange is it going to be in 2020 without Marty around every day? It's going to be really strange. Uh, I mean, I, I'm going to miss Marty, and I, and I think that everybody uh, around the broadcast center is going to miss Marty as well. And for me, you know, it's not missing Marty on the radio because I was working TV most of the games that he was working radio over the last 25, 28 years. But um, I, I miss his presence. I miss his energy. I miss the, the humor that he brings every day, uh, the inside scoops that he's able to, to come up with. Um, and, uh, you know, he's just a guy that is, is a big – he's a big personality. And uh, he's impossible to replace – um, and I think we're all going to miss him a ton. Well, Chris, one last thing. Tell us what's new with the Baseball Rules Academy. Well, I'll tell you what, Bill, what is new with it, and I'm glad you asked, is that we are on the verge of bringing in a whole new website. Uh, you know, not that the old website is bad. It's certainly been around for the last seven years, but we wanted to be able to expand our presence into um, high school rules, NFHS rules, NCAA rules, U-Triple-S-A, Summer League, Little League, and so on. And the only way to do that was to update our database. So we, we want um, somebody who knew a lot more about databases than I do. And uh, we've designed that. Uh, we're still, and, and we're going to carve out a lot of our content, that is our proprietary content, our case studies, our blogs, our videos, interviews, and so on, and put that into a premium section. It will still be free to everybody out there to look up any rule they want at whatever level they want. But if you want to delve deeper, you now have to become a member, and I think the membership will include a lot of things that people get excited about. Uh, video lessons, quizzes, uh, leaderboards, things like this that uh, we're really progressing with. So we're excited about that, uh, and uh, that should be forthcoming in the next month or so. Anything you ever want to know about baseball rules, that's the place to go. That's absolutely the case. Hey, you know, Bill, when, when last year during the World Series, I'll tell you a quick story. <clears throat> when Trey Turner had that 45-foot line interference play, mm-hmm. and, then, and then, of course, it was a big controversial play. It was game six, I think, seventh inning. And now the, the Nationals came back and won that game because I think Soto hit a home run and, and took care of the business. But uh, that could have been a game that, that turned the whole series against them. That could have been a play that ruined the game that, that could have ruined the series. And it was it was astounding to me that even after the game, Craig Turner didn't know what he did wrong. He said, I ran a straight line to the whole plate first. What do they want me to do? In the postgame with Fox, Alex Rodriguez the same way. 
they said, oh, it's a, it, you know, the umpire's got it wrong. You know, he ran a straight line, you know. He, he, uh, so we got 50,000 people on our website uh, within, you know, an hour or two of each of those ball games, those last two ball games of the series. And it just goes to show you the need, I think, for people out there to understand the rules a little bit better. You don't need to understand them as much as Joe West or, you know, one of these, you know, old umpires that know everything about the rules. But it would be nice to have a working knowledge. And that's one reason why I get excited about Baseball Rules Academy, because I just want people to be educated and be good baseball fans. I think smart baseball fans are better fans. And um, I'm happy that you had me on tonight to talk about that, too. Well, and it's and it's great that there's a resource that if you don't understand something or if you have a question, that there's a place that you can go to get the right information. Well, I appreciate that. Get more than just the rule. You can get, you know, basically you get the rules in video form or in blog posts so that you can understand it. One of the things we're adding this year is that we're adding a forum. So there'll be a lot of conversation back and forth about plays and players and rules and interpretations and that'll cover every different level to high school all the way all, all the way down to uh the league and, and major league let's say it sounds like it's just getting bigger and bigger and better and better chris you know when i first started it was only going to be for me it was a database that i put together only for my own use and then i quickly realized that gosh the baseball rules are really complicated <laughs> so I've learned a lot from it, and I think other people have too, and I, I appreciate everybody who said something nice about it. Well, Chris, as always, we really appreciate the time, any time that you give us, and, and I hope we can talk again soon, maybe with the Reds opening up a big lead on the rest of the division. That'd be nice. You call me anytime, and I'm always happy to visit with you. All right. And good take, luck to all you guys at Red Lake Nation. Thanks, Chris. Take care. Talk to you soon. Okay, buddy. All right, Doug Gray and Chad Dotson back here in studio at Red Lake Nation headquarters in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Doug, uh, appreciate you joining me again here today. It's always a good time when we get together. I'm, I'm glad you had me on. Uh, we got to talk a little bit of uh, high school basketball, which is obviously my favorite thing in the world. And then, you know, a little bit of baseball, which is, yeah, it's okay, too. <laughs> it's okay, too. Uh, yeah, it's going to be more than okay this year, I really feel like, for the uh, these Cincinnati Reds. So that'll – we'll – Stick a pin in it there. You can know where to subscribe to us, wherever you find your podcast. We're there. Come over to patreon.com slash Radio and join our, uh, our rebellious crew that are, uh, you know, fighting against all the big podcasts out there. I don't even know what that means, but I just said it. So, you know. Whatever. Coming for you, Joe Rogan. Coming for you, Joe Rogan. For Doug Gray and the Central High School Warriors moving on to the state championship, this is Chad Dotson saying so long, everyone. Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week.